add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'm joined by Professor Jim Lucy, Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin and Consultant Psychiatrist at St. Patrick's University Hospital in Dublin, Ireland. His book, A Whole New Plan for Living, presents 10 powerful steps to show us how, by maintaining balance and wellness in our daily lives, we can achieve overall health and well-being, ready for the challenges that life presents to us. And who knows, we need all the help we can get in relation to challenges right now. From understanding wellness to managing stress and distress to the opportunity for mental health recovery, no matter what the circumstances. A whole new plan for living shows us by making small changes, we can achieve optimum mental health, become more resilient and live with hope for the future. Professor Lucy, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going? Thank you very much, Carl, for that lovely introduction. It's going great. Good to be here. Well, no pressure. That was a serious intro. So we're going to have a serious little chat. Serious intro. Serious intro. Very well done. With lots of tips and tools for people. Tell us why you wrote the book first and foremost. Well, first and foremost, I wrote the book for myself. Um, uh, like so many of us, we've gone through COVID with uh, huge challenges. And um, I, I, I really needed to, to find a way of, of addressing the, the changes and looking for balance myself. And uh, like so many of us, I've read this, the self-help books that are out there. And uh, I'm obviously very familiar with the evidence. And I felt frustrated that I couldn't find a, a useful, well, for me, a, a really helpful guide. And um, so I, like so much, so many else, uh, so, many other, so many of us, I was reaching out on, um, on Skype or Zoom to my family and friends, and uh, particularly to my brother in the United States. So I have an older, smarter brother. And he said, well, Jim, why don't you write one yourself? And with that kind of almost parental license, I just started off and, um, you know, the lockdown happened in March last year. And really, in the next three months, I spent every night trying to gather the evidence about well-being and uh, look at it in the context of what I knew about psychological health and then try and make it some way accessible to somebody, uh, basing that somebody on me. Could I do this? And so it was a great piece of effort but a lot of fun and a tremendous way of focusing and a lot there's a lot in about focus focusing your mind my mind during this trauma we're all going through um and it then brought me back into memories of my own life um and 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 momentous times like my father's death uh times of my retirement from one role to another uh, impacts with various patients who taught me so much and i found myself writing a sort of guide memoir uh, and, um, and 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 question mark, which I hope people will enjoy reading. And chat me through, I suppose, wellness and the definition of wellness, because these ten steps that we're going to talk through, they all lead to hopefully wellness and improving people's wellness. But what is wellness? Well, wellness is basically something that is not just the absence of a disease. It's not. Um, it's not the uh, absence of an illness. 
it's a much more inclusive, holistic thing. Um, the best definition I use in it is called the eight dimensions of wellness, in which wellness is seen as having physical, um, occupational, environmental, intellectual, social, emotional, spiritual, uh, and financial aspects, a whole sort of circle of things that, that we really need to look at. And none of us is, as I say, spinning these plates all the time with the same degree of alacrity. Um, but each of us can dip into these areas uh, or slip in these areas in ways that we can address in small ways. And so by breaking up wellness into these headings, it starts to form a route towards practical change, um, a practical attitudinal change, practical behavioral change and insight. And that may, it becomes possible, whereas wellness is such a huge thing on its own. When you break it up, you say, well, I can do a small thing here. It's one of the little tips in it is to, is to say to yourself in regard to your wellness, I'll do one thing a day, one job a day. And indeed, to make that hurdle as low as possible so that you do jump it. And it's, it's that one of the key messages here, I suppose, to people, you know, small steps add up to greater things. So it's that atomic hab habits rule of, you know, that little bit over the course of time. And if you're trying to improve your wellness, that's pretty much the way to do it. It's a key step and a key message of the book. And it's a key message of the evidence. So one of the things I wanted to do was uh, not to give pious homilies. I wanted to try and root it in the evidence. And we found, uh, you know, three or four core papers and studies looking at, at well-being. And again and again, they talk about this, making, breaking it down, making it small, making it achievable, making it doable. Because, you know, we've all had that January feeling of going to the gym and really going to you know, break out. But, but it's gone by May and certainly gone maybe before that. And uh, how do you then sustain yourself through the autumn and the winter? And the only way to do that is to build up something that you can continue with, something that's meaningful. And chat us through some of the kind of the, the, the some of the 10 uh, tips and tools that you give. Obviously, don't give everything away. Otherwise, people won't buy the book. But give it. Give it well, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. I think the 10 steps start really the first five of them. People will be familiar from other guides about each of these things, about understanding wellness, looking at emotional well-being, taking um, steps to address the difficult times of our lives like. Uh, illness, um, relationship breakdown, um, work loss, um, the death of relatives and so on. And then recognizing the importance of our own mental health and practical skills to doing that. And there are plenty of guides that in any, do all of those five things. But I think one of the things that I wanted to do with this was I wanted to do it myself, a bit like a cookbook. I wanted to cook this myself and see if it cooked. And I tried all these things. And have been trying them. And I got to a point where I was stuck. And one evening I was with one of my patients on Zoom during the, uh, during the uh, lockdown with a couple. And they said they were stuck. And so I said to them, let's get a blank piece of paper. And let's start from this blank piece of paper. It doesn't matter how that therapy session went. But at the end of the session, as I always do, I said, what, what, what worked for you in that? What helped you in that? And they said, the best thing was the blank piece of paper. So what happens here in step six is that we make this plan your own. It starts with a point where you say, well, I've done this. I've gone to the gym. I've tried to get my exercise right. I'm trying to negotiate work in a better way. I'm pulling back from that conflict. I'm looking at that different challenge in a different way. All of that stuff. 
which is good, but a bit like the gymnasium, you know, how can you keep that up right through summer and winter? But when you get to the blank page, it's really something I think that isn't out there elsewhere. It's where you ask yourself some questions. Who am I? What am I about? Who do I love? What is my identity in the broadest sense? And how can I fulfill that and move then through things that impact that, like my work and my love and my home, uh, homelessness or my home, my, uh, my, my renting status or any of these challenges that we have in Dublin and Ireland so much? And then looking at tools uh, through step eight, nine and ten, looking at specific psychological and behavioral tools for dealing with stress and distress, taking on the whole new plan and putting it into place how you make sure that you can actually reinstate pieces that work that you've lost, and then trying to do what we can do uh, to look beyond our own individual plan and find really transcendent wellness, which is about connecting with others. So it all starts with reflection. It all starts with, you know, it's looking and analyzing yourself and your environment, what works, what doesn't work, and learning to know yourself, for want of a better word, before you do anything else. I think that to not to get to the end of your life, not having asked those questions is the really saddest thing. And I think all of us rocked back by the isolation of COVID, the lockdown, the, 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 the seizure was was we're probably better off if we could channel that reflection rather than running away from it. And I think an awful lot of people have really have really found that difficult, but it can be done. And it actually it, it's really worth doing. It's really worth some of the things that are worth doing with it come out in this plan where obviously we've described wellness, but then we've got to see what actually works in terms of being well. And, you know, people will be familiar with the five ways to wellness, uh, connectedness, activity, learning, um, being in the moment and then giving. And those five things are well described and you can break them out how they apply to each part of your life. But really, they only work if they have this reflective quality you talked about. And the reflective quality really allows you to do things which, which are called CHIME. Okay, so bear with me for this, Carl. CHIME is, a, is an acronym for a study that showed how any healthcare or social initiative works. It's nice to know if you're going to start what works, you know. And it turns out you can study what works and you can compare it with what doesn't work. And the things that work all have these five things in common. One of them is that they connect people to each other, within people to themselves, so that you connect your mind to your body, their connectedness. Another is that they're hopeful. No enterprise works without hope. The next is that they are true to your identity. Hence, step six has to be who I am. So if you're not a gym bunny, don't go to the gym. Do something else that's you, okay? Meaning, meaning really is something that everyone has. We have a meaning. It's worthwhile finding our purpose and not to look for that meaning and to cut ourselves off isn't really associated with successful recovery. And then empowerment, being empowered to do the thing. So in a sense, what my older bro did was he empowered me to do this. He said, you can do that. And funny, here at 63, that actually mattered to me. I did feel, okay, the bro thinks I can do it, I can do it. And I can do it better because I've got that sense of empowerment. 
we can do that for each other, which is why the connectedness works back again. You come together and empower each other. So in the end of the book, through lots of stories I tell, I describe the story of joining a band. And um, it's been a wonderful thing and a wonderful COVID thing. I've, I've been in and out of that sort of stuff all my life, but this is a band that we, we call uh, uh, the, uh, the Art of Collaboration or Tulka. And uh, it's with Paul Rowe and uh, people from, from the orchestra and from uh, St. David's School in, uh, in Dublin. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Celtic, fusion, Persian, all kinds of different people. And we make music and it's been wonderful. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. We're learning lots of new ways to live better and create a new plan for living. And it all starts with assessing yourself, where you are right now, and what you want to improve. As, as part of this whole new plan for living, uh, I suppose facing your fears a little bit or scaring yourself a little bit. So presumably writing a book was a little bit scary until you were nudged to do it. So is, is part of this kind of you know nudging yourself or nudging potentially others to do things that's a, that are a little bit scary? It is. And taking on that thing, if you make it small enough today, you can start it and keep doing that is part of the idea. But it's also not just a scare. It's about a really uh, opportune idea. And so I found myself looking back into, you know, moving times in my life. So many so much of our lives are just routine and we carry on. But my father's death was perhaps one of the most uh, momentous. And I was elected in the family to tell him that he had an illness from which he wouldn't recover. And uh, so I remember going to him and telling him this, sitting down with him. And uh, he listened to me very carefully. And I was, I mean, I'm the fourth of the kids. I'm the second son. Uh, you know, it was, it must have been hard for him. And he listened to me very carefully. And then he said to me, well, Jimmy, if what you tell me is true, then there's one thing I need you to do for me. And I was obviously full of emotion at this time. I said, of course, Dad, whatever I can do for you. And he said, well, I need you to give me a whole new plan for living. And uh, I, I obviously left the room sometime afterwards and, and sort of broke down. And I've never really um, lost the sense of wonder at that. And also of how much, what, what, what a great teacher that was, but also so courageous and hopeful. And so I wanted to give the book the title, A Whole New Plan for Living, because it's not a scare, do this or you X, Y, or Z, or bad will happen to you. Far from it. Actually, I don't tell you what to do at all with your life. I'm giving you a blank page. I just want each of us to reflect and then to look at the evidence and the data that what really works for a, a successful and re rewarding and fulfilled life, what really works, okay? We're not keeping up with anybody. We're not aping somebody. This is not Dr. Pimple Pusher. Uh, you know, it's, it's, this is something very, very personal and unique for each of us. But actually, it's motivated by a really hopeful thought that today we could have a whole new plan for living. It's a wonderful idea. And one of your favorite characteristics around that plan is the idea of giving. Now, you know, on my own Instagram page, I we talk about random acts of kindness all the time. And from, you know, years ago, it used to be when you go through a toll booth, you pay for the car behind you randomly just for a thing to do and look at their reaction as they were told. Yeah. So chat me through how and why giving is so important. If you want to reboot your life and be happier and healthier and well, like giving has a huge role within that. It has. And when you talk about, you know, the exercise and the connecting to people and, and so on, 
you get to giving and you say, wow, what's that? And Random Acts of Kindness is a great movement. And again, I love the example you've given. But we, you know, my generation, we were all raised on giving to charities, giving to, you know, and we still do. I'm not knocking it, you know, giving to the, 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 those most underprivileged and the struggling in the world. We used to talk about uh, the, the foreign missions and all this kind of stuff in my generation. And that kind of giving meant kind of bountiful i'm giving from my rich store to your 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 depleted store whereas actually uh, although that's part of giving i want people to realize the help of giving to themselves giving time for example giving way giving a moment for reflection being a moment for peace giving a moment for that mindfulness um, and then giving ground giving credit. I'd start with giving yourself credit. Everybody here has been through a day and my God, it's been a day, hasn't it? I mean, each of us could tell it, it's been a hell of a day. And every one of us has that story. We don't give ourselves credit for how we've come through it. Giving credit, giving ground, giving grace, giving things that are actually intangible, but actually are really, really life-giving. And they're the ones that are sustaining. And that kind of giving you practice um if it's self-compassionate it really opens up an awful lot of compassion for others and then you start connecting and you see the things as achievable so really give is a bit like the give we talk about in a in a piece of wood if it's got no give it can't be bent it just snaps so give is flexibility it's the capacity to actually bend into shape to roll with it and in fact, to form a new, a new span that, you know, lots of, lots of new leaves can grow on. We don't know what that's going to look like. So I suppose that ties back to the, the principle of saying no or learning to say no to stuff. Or that that's potentially part of that giving to yourself where you say, oh, yes. give yourself time. Make yourself time. I mean, I think that people have discovered now, okay, I can't do, I can't go, I can't commute. But all of a sudden now I have the opportunity to make something of this time. And so what part of the book saying is, look, let's not let's not panic with that. Let's embrace some of that and find a way of using that time. And then let's start learning skills. So it's it, it, I try not to be didactic. I don't like to be I do a lot of teaching, obviously, and, and so on. But I don't like to teach people the answers because I don't know the answers any more than anything. I just want to teach people about learning, which is what I'm doing all the time, trying to learn. And the learning here in this is that we could get mastery of our mind. We can actually learn in that giving to calm, to replace the adrenaline panic with, if you like, the acetylcholine or the, the vagus nerve, which is the calming alternative. The root of the answer to adrenaline is this wonderful neurological channel that goes throughout our bodies that says to, back to the brain, whoa, wait a minute, we can chill now. That's why the mindfulness breathing works and why better diet works and why walking works and so on. And when we do that, when we say to the brain, whoa, let's chill here, we, we're in charge now. Whereas when we're in panic, in, um, in rush, in adrenaline, um, we're not. We're not in charge at all. We're, we're running and we're, we're, at, we're at the mercy then of, of our own anxiety. And that ties right back to emotional well-being, which is a whole chapter within the book. 
talk us through some simple tips for people to help them achieve emotional well-being and why it's important. Well, it's really important because, in a sense, we're not just human doings. We're human beings. And being includes a lot more than just doing and acting and even going to this, moving there, doing that, taking on this. It's, that being is the space that our living is filled with feeling and with, with response and with, with reflection, which sometimes we're shy of because it's emotional, but also with the capacity to consider over time. So think of your moment now as being like a dot. And then think about all the dots. And then think about a wave. The emotions are the wave that all the dots are moving in. It's like the light dots in Einstein's theory and the wave theory. In his. So there's both going on. Emotion is the wave. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes it's juddery. Some people are more extended. Some people have much more fluctuation. Learning about the whole new plan is learning about your whole new plan. So it's good to know what your emotional uh, well-being is about. Are you a calm, flowing person? Are you a, an up and down person? Are you a juddery person? Each of those is an emotional well-being that maps on to experience, to the experience often of trauma, but also to genetic backgrounds, to characteristics. So emotion is often very characteristic. But what it does is it adds a quality to experience that you can't just get from the action. So some people say, I, I couldn't grieve. I went to the funeral and I felt no emotion. I was there, but I didn't feel. There's no right way to grieve. No one's telling you how to. But it's a good example of how your being there isn't necessarily feeling you're there. And so what we want to do is have both. We want to integrate those. And well-being is about being able to go to your feelings, but also contain them. And so there's a great deal of uh, new data coming out about parenting, for example, where one of the things that a parent does is helps the younger person, whose emotions are much more, if you like, unsettled, you know, youthful, to learn how to contain them so they stay within the wave. They're okay, chaos, and go off into somewhere else. But each of us under stress has that difficulty of the particle and the wave. And you need to try and think about how you can get back to the curve of your life in a way which continues on. Because the wave, the emotion has momentum. The event is over, but the feeling never dies. It continues. And so you want to be able to manage those feelings in a way which allows you to continue to live and work and grow. Finally, tell me about the idea and why it's important of letting things go. Uh, and in the, in the famous words of Elsa and Anna about let, you know, letting it go and the importance of it. Tell us about that. I think that it's a key idea. It's wonderful. I mean, they, they clearly are psychologically minded. Uh, <laughs> Elsa and Elsa. There's no question about it. I mean, I'm looking at it as a professional. I'm saying I know which session they've been to. Absolutely. Um, the alternative to letting it go means nothing. No feeling ever ends. No pain ever ends. No, um, no, no hurt. Without that, without the ability to let it go, you cannot stop the feeling. And the feelings, particularly the painful feelings, need to stop now. The event is over. So I often see people and I say, what you want is justice. Yes. 
what you want is some kind of redress, but you want to know that the pain has stopped. And what's happened is the event, the trauma, the abuse, the neglect, possibly is over. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's continuing. And we need to move to stop the abuse, the trauma. But many times, it's, the trauma was in another time. But the pain has continued. And what we want to try and do is learn to let the pain go so we can deal with the abuse and get the life done. And you can't do that if you're still in the pain. So it's a very serious idea because we're not saying we're condoning anything or that the feeling isn't appropriate. What we're saying is we need to make some feelings in the past so that we can be present in the in the future and we can make ourselves in some way prepared for a whole new plan which isn't determined by the trauma or the loss or the abuse but actually by a whole new plan i think people listening in will get a lot of food for thought to say the least about that whole new plan for living their own lives and how they want to live it we've touched on lots of content from the book remind us of the name of the book for anyone who wants to get it oh well thank you carl it's called a whole new plan for living and it's about achieving balance and wellness in a changing world. And it's published by Hachette, Ireland. You've got a good team of publishers and the book looks absolutely fantastic. I'm sure it'll sell huge numbers. People are under huge pressure and looking for ways to reboot their lives and deal with the stress and coping mechanisms of the world around us. And you've given us loads of those today. So thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealthatindependent.ie. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.